Good evening, everybody. Let's go to God first in prayer. Father, as we look to you and your word now, we pray you speak to us, give us wisdom and understanding. Amen. So I stand here a little bit nervous for two reasons. First, before I've even begun, Pastor Mervyn has suggested that my sermon might be a time where many of you will fall asleep. And second, also because I feel a bit sleepy myself. I should be more worried about the preacher falling asleep. Tonight we look back on an eventful year and forward to a year filled with uncertainty and promise. How was 2016 for you? A lot of people on social media look back to 2016 and think it was a bad year. 2016 was certainly a year of great flux. There were bright moments. The Olympics and our first gold medal. Everybody knows the name of Joseph Isaac Schooling now. He has many more years of swimming ahead. And we had all sorts of fantastic movies like Deadpool, Rogue One, Kung Fu Panda 3. I didn't really like Captain America Civil War, but I will list that anyway. Then Iceland won football's Euro 2016. Fantastic video of the people in Iceland celebrating. We also had 800 hostages rescued from the terrorist group Boko Haram in Nigeria. Since 2009, Boko Haram has killed 17,000 people and displaced 2.6 million people in Nigeria. And in 2016, this year, finally there are claims that Boko Haram has been defeated. And elsewhere, there are great advances in medicine, in pancreatic cancer, and they may have a new brain plug busting drug that delays the, that prevents Alzheimer's disease from developing. And yet, people may feel that these moments are overshadowed by the continuing war in Syria, the fall of Aleppo. I looked at pictures of the bombed-out city, and I'm surprised anybody could survive through that. There were also terrorist attacks in Nice, Brussels, Berlin, Nigeria, India, Istanbul. And these are getting more frequent. Even in Singapore now, we have the SG Secure Initiative there's even a phone app. The message is, it's no longer a question of if, but when there is an attack. And then there was the Brexit referendum, the Trump election, chaos in India now over their banknotes. All these may seem distant to us. But maybe we have had bad news in our personal lives also this year. My sister-in-law had brain cancer, had to start months of treatment. If anything, these days should remind us of how much our world needs to know Jesus, to find grace in him and follow after him. People need the Lord. But it is no point just saying that. What can we do about that? That's the question. Now, my favorite writer is a guy called Terry Pratchett. He died in 2015. But Terry Pratchett, in my view, was the, the world's greatest novelist. 
His last 22 books were all number one bestsellers. And Terry Pratchett writes books that seem to be for children, but really they deal with issues adults wrestle over. And because he deals with profound issues, his books are not only great fun to read, but they make me think. Think about my own faith, about God, about good and evil. For example, in the book Good Omens, which came out in 1991, Terry Pratchett has some fun with the final battle Armageddon and the Antichrist. He throws everything into this book. You have UFOs, angels, witch hunters, even the lost continent of Atlantis. I won't spoil it for you, but no, you can't borrow my copy. <laughs> what I do want to point out is that in this book, the four horsemen of the apocalypse are summoned to ride. The four horsemen are war, pestilence, famine, and death. We read about them in the book of Revelation, chapter 6. Over the years, of course, the four horsemen have changed and gone on to other things in Pratchett's book. So war, according to Terry Pratchett, is now a sexy female war correspondent. Famine runs a chain of fast food restaurants that provide food with no nutrition. But one day, each of them receives a card. And on the card it's printed, Come and see. That is their summons. And when I read this 24 years ago, I already knew this had something to do with the Bible, even before going to Trinity Theological College. So I pulled out my King James Bible, turned to the book of Revelation, chapter 6, and there it was, the Lamb of God in heaven, opening the seals and summoning the four horsemen of the apocalypse to execute the will of God and bring judgment on humans. The Lamb of God summons them with the words, Come and see. And we find these same words spoken by Jesus in John chapter 1, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And this story takes place in the middle of a memorable week of witness and revelation. On the first day, at Bethany, on the side of the River Jordan, John the Baptist meets priests and Levites, sent to ask him who he is. John the Baptist says, frankly, I am not the Christ. I am the one, the voice of one calling in the desert. And so we come to verse 35. I'm going to start reading from John chapter 1, verse 35. And let me read that out to you. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called 
Kephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the Word of God. So in Revelation chapter 6, the Lamb of God calls the horsemen, Come and see. And here in John chapter 1, Jesus calls his disciples, Come and see. Now John the Baptist clearly identifies Jesus as the Lamb of God. The first two disciples may not have understood all that that title involved. And you should note that they were originally the disciples of John the Baptist. But they knew that Jesus was somehow the Savior of man. Here in John chapter 1, all the first two disciples here is their own teacher, John the Baptist, saying that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And so they follow Jesus to find out more. Jesus turns to the two disciples of John the Baptist. He does not ask them who they are looking for. He asks them, what are they looking for? Are they looking for something to satisfy their needs? And the two disciples reply for question, where are you staying? You see, it was late in the afternoon. So maybe it was too late for them to walk home before dark. The disciples wanted to stay overnight with Jesus. Jesus encouraged them to become acquainted with him, to spend time with him. Come and see, Jesus says to them. And what happens after that? Andrew goes and gets Simon. We have found the Messiah, he says. The next day, Philip goes and tells Nathanael, We have found the man Moses and the prophets wrote about. Nathanael is not convinced. And Philip says, Come and see. And I think that is what we all as Christians need to do. To tell someone to come and see. I think one of the Christians' greatest fears today is personal evangelism. Sharing our faith with another person. After all, I may not know what to say. They may ask me a question I cannot answer. I might fail. I'm not gifted in evangelism. How can you expect me to talk to my friends, my family, my colleagues about Jesus? I'm not trained. I'm not a missionary. Witnessing probably has to be one of the least practiced of the Christian disciplines. And when we consider the fact that Jesus' final words to the church were a challenge to spread the gospel to all the world, 
I think it seems ironic that most Christians have never personally led another individual to Christ or even shared their faith with an unbeliever. I think we are afraid because we have come to see witnessing as we converting someone to Christ. And so we think you get only one shot. You must be prepared. You must have the right tools. And when that golden opportunity comes, you must be able to whip out your four spiritual laws and guide the person through it. You must know exactly what to say. But witnessing is not ramming the gospel down someone's throat. It's not answering all the questions someone has to ask. Witnessing is simply telling your story, inviting someone to come and see what Jesus has done. Let me tell you a story now. In July 2002, I was Pastor Stanley Chua's neighbour. He lived in Block 401. I was in Block 407, Sabawang Drive. One Sunday evening, my wife and I went to the HDB multi-storey car park on our way out for a family gathering. When we got to my car, our car, basically we came across two punks trying to steal the fork lamps from my car. I shouted at them and I chased them. I chased them down three stories and out the car park. When we got to the plaza, the two ran off in different directions. But the guy on the right had a plastic bag and I thought, that's my fork lamps. I chased the guy on the right. All the while, I was shouting, help, police, thief, stop. For a moment, I was thinking of shouting murder, but I was too embarrassed. <laughs> anyway, nobody came to help. I ran past the taxi driver seated in his taxi. He was staring at me when I went by. Later, when I came back the same way, he even had the gall to ask me, How? I was like, He didn't even help me. <laughs> anyway, the guy in front, he turned a few corners. I was a bit out of shape. I finally lost him. It turns out, in the end, when the police came and all that, they hadn't managed to steal my fork lamps. They had only managed to unscrew the screws. Then they pushed the fork lamp in to try and get it out. And so I thought the fork lamp was missing, but thank God they didn't take away the lamps. But let me tell you, I told everybody about this. I had to tell the 999 operator and then the police when they came. But then after that, I called up my mom. I called my brother. I told my wife's parents. The next morning, I was in Methodist Girls' School, so I told the vice principal and the assistant principal. <laughs> when I got back to Kampong Kapo Methodist Church, I told my colleague, Dr. Kang, I told everybody in the office. I called my friends. Even out for dinner the next day, I told everybody seated at my table. I chased two guys through a car park and through an HDB precinct. It's true I didn't catch them. But the point was, you see, I had a story to tell. And I told it. And that is what witnessing is really all about. Telling our own stories about Jesus. Do you have a story to tell about Jesus? Yes, you may have your parents' faith. You know about what God has done. Or maybe you feel you have not personally experienced the mighty works of God. You haven't seen any great miracles. You haven't seen the sick get healed. You haven't seen the dead raised to life. You have no spectacular story to tell. Well, let me tell you that you do have a story. Your life in Christ, that is already a miracle. Your meeting with Jesus, no matter how quiet, how routine, that 
is a story someone should hear. How you met Jesus, what Jesus has done for you, that is your story to tell. And no one else can tell it. Those who enjoy experiencing Jesus, however partially, should desire to share it with others. If you don't want to tell your own particular story, then there are many other stories you can tell about Jesus. The disciples learn that the best witness is simply to introduce people to Jesus and let him do the rest. Nathaniel asked, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He was already prejudiced. Philip didn't even bother answering the question. All he said was, come and see. You notice also that Andrew had only spent one day with Jesus. He had not spent years in study and meditation. He was no expert on the Messiah. And yet, straight away, he went to his brother and brought him to Jesus. If you encounter Jesus, that should be what will happen. You ask someone to come and see. You know, in every Sunday service here, pastors will ask if there are any newcomers. Newcomers here must be identified. Last month, I brought a friend who was visiting from the United Kingdom. We sat at the back. And then when they asked who is here for the first time, my friend didn't raise her hand. So I just sat there minding my own business. Next thing I knew, Pastor Melvin shouts out, Jamie Shun, I know you brought someone. Tell the truth. <laughs> In 2017 then, why don't all of us resolve to bring one person to church? Inviting a friend or a family member, that is something all of us can do. Now, Andrew, Philip, Simon, Nathaniel, these were ordinary men. They were not special. They were not unusually intelligent. They were not specially gifted. They were just like us, ordinary persons. And the secret does not lie in we men or women, but in the Lord who makes us into what he wants us to be. But for this to happen, you first have to come and see Jesus yourself. You must meet him and know him. And when you know him, I think you'll be surprised because he's not going to say, Simon, you unreliable troublemaker, repent and learn discipline. No, instead, he might call you something you never dreamed you could be. He might say, you shall be called Cephas, Peter, the rock. And just like Peter was, you also are a disciple of Jesus. You are God's instrument. And God can use you wherever he has placed you, if you will let him. Now what if you feel that you haven't really met Jesus, you have no deep relationship with him? Then I say to you, come and see. Psalm 66 verse 5 reads, Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds among mortals. Jesus' invitation to us is a call to relationship and transformation. C.S. Lewis, in his classic book, Mere Christianity, wrote, The whole purpose for which we exist is to be taken into the life of God. So talk to a pastor, a member of the pastoral team, about how you can draw nearer to God in 2017. Remember, belief or disbelief and the Son of God is a matter of life and death. Do you really believe in heaven and hell? In this passage, Jesus speaks of heaven 
in verse 51. And this is really a reference to Genesis chapter 28, when Jacob, the founder of the nation of Israel, he was on a journey. He had to spend a night out in the open. And that night he had a dream. Jacob saw a ladder set up on the earth, the top of which reached into heaven. And there were angels ascending and descending on this ladder to heaven. And when Jacob woke up, he said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And so he named that place Bethel, Bethel, which means the house of God. Here in John chapter 1, Jesus says, The angels are ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, the Son of Man is that ladder to heaven. Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so I encourage you then, in the new year, to determine to draw nearer to God, to receive His grace, and to bring someone to meet the Lord. As the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I urge you to receive the grace of God. For he says in Isaiah, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. But I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time of salvation for you, your friends and your family. Tell your story. Tell your story of Jesus and invite someone to come and see. Come, let us pray. Mighty God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for all your grace to us this past year. And we look forward to more grace from you next year. Use us as your servants. And help us then, Lord, to spread your grace to others, that all may know your saving grace and come to know of life with you, eternal life with their Creator. Amen.